Let me pray for him quick. Lord, yeah, we just pray that uh, yeah, Rian will be just full of your spirit and your wisdom, God, and your truth this morning, God. Um, come and speak to us through this man, Jesus. And uh, yeah, let us, let us really grab a hold of this thing, God, this, this finance, this uh, money, God, uh, something that was so important to you even, Jesus. Yeah, I just pray that we could really hear something of your truth today and then practically apply it to our lives in the name of Jesus. Man, I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this morning. <laughs> um, first and foremost, I just need to say this, that this is, if you came for a sermon, this is not that. This is more of a family chat. You know, brother, sister, uncle, some dads. Um, but it's more of a chat. And, and like Luke, I was just inspired by his, you know, what he did last week. He said, I'm just leading to a new place. I'm more like teaching. And man, I've made so many mistakes when it comes to money and finances and and just being delusional and stuff. I can keep you busy for hours. It's one of my favorite topics because I just so sucked at it. And it's still a journey. You know, it's still a journey. But I need you to know that this is just family. This is chat. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing is... Um, you will more than likely be offended somewhere, somehow. It's real. It's money. You know, it's like when you talk about people, all the relationships. I mean, you know, unless, until the day we become like Jesus, we bring problems to the party, you know? Okay. So, when that happens, please, when something's like, oh, no, you can't say that, or no, I, I don't, you know, just, can we, can we just agree that we might be offended? And it's going to be okay. We're going to process that well. Okay. But there should be zero shame. Okay. No shame. I don't know. Again, all my mistakes, I can tell you, you'll be very relieved when you think about your own. Um, but there should be no shame and no condemnation. Okay. This morning is not that. This is an encouragement. What does God think um, about money matters? Okay, so that's what this morning is. I, I did joke about the title. I was going to call it something awesome like making millions fast and, you know, and then we want to put space anyway in the building. And <laughs> it's not that. It's not that. And if you're visiting, welcome again. Hope you enjoy this morning too. But again, this is just real life, real chat. Um, yeah, and I'm so stoked that I get to do this with, you know, with our family. Um, one of the things that also just tucked in my heart was like, you know, Jesus is one of his last things to his disciples, Matthew 28. Uh, you know, go preach the gospel, you know, teach them, baptize, and so forth. But there's this one, teach them. And it's not just the gospel. It's this life. You know, the Bible speaks that older women should teach the younger ones. Exactly. Okay? There's a teaching. I feel like this is one of those areas, you know, to teach on. Like, how do we have a healthy perspective of money matters? And my title is kind of Mastering Your Money Matters. Okay? Mastering Your Money Matters. It really does. Okay. Um... So, we're not going to be condemned. We're not going to feel shame. We're going to let the Holy Spirit actually convict us. If there's something, let the Holy Spirit do a work this morning, you know? Let the truth of the Word come and help us see more clearly. Okay. So, a couple of interesting facts. Does the Bible talk about money? Absolutely. There's more than 2,000 scriptures. We will not even cover a 10% of that this morning. Um, but seriously, there's more than 2,000 scriptures just on the thing of money. More than 40% of the parables were about finances. How about that? Okay. So by the way, if you've had this feel like <gasps> there's going to be a call to giving, it's not about giving. This is not a prosperity gospel message at all. This is not, you know, give God 100 bucks, you get 1,000 bucks back. Not that at all, please. Okay. Not, not that. Okay. This, the Word teaches us principles and attitudes to have towards money. Um, and it's very important. Why the word does that? Because money is in competition for our heart. I don't know about you, but growing up, you know, like you want this, you want that. I've got two boys, five and seven. They're like, oh, they want everything. Um, and sometimes they actually have money, like 100 or 150 bucks, and they want that thing. And my parents used to tell me, hey, money don't grow in trees. But that, that's all. They didn't tell me, what, uh, so where does it grow? I mean, how do I grow it myself? <laughs> You know, I'm a boarding school boy, man. We just barter, and it's like playground stuff. And like, I'll give you peanut butter, you give me some marmite, and then so we got bartering done, and you know, negotiating like that. But money, man, we didn't know about money. Um, but man, if only I knew from a young age, and 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 there's so many youngsters here. 
that this is great. You know, either students or you're still in school or maybe a young adult, you're starting life. Some guys are getting married soon and, um, and it's never too late. It's like, it's like getting saved. It's just never too late. Okay, too late is when it's, really, when it's too late. Um, so first scripture that I would just like for us to read this morning is 1 Timothy 6.10. A favorite, something we all know. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Um, this is just verse 10, sorry. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. Is that the new one? Oh, there. For the love of money. Sorry, that's why I wanted to thank you guys. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I mean, if you haven't heard the scripture... Um, I would be surprised, but I think most of us have. But if we could just reflect on that for a moment again, how hectic this is. It's hectic. The love of money, wanting that thing, that desire, that man, it's, it's, it brings ruin and there's destruction and, uh, yeah, wandering from your faith, being pierced with many pangs and, you know, many griefs and that kind of thing. It's a, it's a weird thing. So it's worth us checking our hearts. It's like, oh, my word. Again, growing up, I was like only one thing because my dad died when I was young. I was a boarding school kid, and my thing was I'm gonna, I'm gonna be rich one day. I don't know how, but I'm gonna be rich. I don't know where they grow the money, but I'm gonna be growing them. <laughs> okay, so it was it was a big journey. It was it was a lot of fun with a lot of pain, a lot of agony because I had this kind of thing. I had that love for it because I didn't know better. Um, although if I just actually had more, maybe quiet time, spent time with Jesus and reading the Word. Now, I could have had this at a young age, and I could have avoided it. Second scripture, there's the love of money that we do not want to, we don't want to be, um, you know, subject to that. And then Mark 4, verse 19. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the world, making, word, making it unfruitful. This is Jesus, the parable of the sower, some of those seeds. Again, just, just, just look at this. Deceitfulness of wealth. That's what I want to talk about. I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but how do you like someone that you meet, you get to know, family member, maybe a friend, whatever, and they're deceitful? You like that? You're looking for deceitful friends. I don't know deceitful relationships. You want your parents to be deceitful towards you? I don't know. I mean, we hate this deception. You know, presenting something that's false as if it's true, but that's what wealth does. Okay, this is hectic. There's the seedfulness of wealth. And the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So our lives can be totally unfruitful. There could be many areas of the life that are fruitful uh, or unfruitful. We don't want to be deceived by wealth. Okay, so we're going to get into a whole bunch of things, but just kind of as a um, as an overarching um, you know, few scriptures there. What I do love is that we get to manage money. Please Money is not bad. Money is not evil. Okay, we have to also establish that. That's not that. Because money can do nothing in itself. Right? It's amoral. It's no good, no bad. It's actually what we do with it. It's the attitude behind it. It is you know, what we want to you know, purpose it for, etc., etc. So that's way more important. And we want to do it to glorify God at the end of the day. And if I could have a key scripture for this morning, it would be Luke 16, verse 11. And maybe something, this just struck me again, you know, in preparation. I was like, oh my word, how did I kind of forget this or just glanced over this? It says this. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? It speaks of ungodly mammon. You know the mammon, money, okay, we won't need to go into that, but just, just, just look at that. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, Money. Who will trust you with true riches? Like spiritual riches. This is a huge thing. This is like huge. This is what I want to come back to all the time. Are we being found to be trustworthy with worldly, with wealth, stuff that we can't even take with? Could it be that maybe some of us are at a level we just can't seem to break? We're praying, we are fasting, we do all these things. And we just don't seem to kind of, you know, break through. Could it be that because there's not a trustworthiness when it comes to what God has entrusted to us, the money, wealth, that we can't be trusted with anything else? 
Again, as a young Christian, I would have loved to have known this because I was completely on the wrong track. I'm running off the money. I'm running off the jobs. I'm running off to the next thing. I promise you, it was crazy. I mean, my young life, I won't tell you how many cars I've had, but it's very close to yeah, 100. Okay, there were, there were lots of things wrong in my youth. And again, that's why I wanted to really just share with the family this morning. Yes, we've got to get some stuff right. You know, um, we have to talk about these things. And we have to do it in a way that we are trustworthy with it. Okay, is that cool? Very quiet in here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Honestly, I, my, my heart is, man, God, speak to us this morning so we can get freedom. This ball and chain that is dragging us down, we can't do nothing because we are so, like, just swamped with the stuff that we will get freedom. At least see, like, oh, this is the light. Okay, now I've got, you know, a good course and I've got a you know, direction I can go into. Okay. And it's, by the way, it's, it's not how much. It's not, we're not put in this world to all become billionaires and millionaires and, you know, make all these industries. And God, I don't see that. Some get to do that. It's not how much. It's more like how, it's like golf. It's not how you played. It's how many strokes you played. You know, you could look terrible, but you've scored a low round. That's good. Um, maybe it's a very bad analogy. But, um. But honestly, we, we have to change our minds about, oh, it's how much I can make and how, you know, how that's a sign of spirituality. And the, No, God wants good and faithful servant. He needs us to be faithful with whatever he gives us. All right. Um, so a big thing is about our attitude and then our behavior. So let me talk about a few attitudes behind financial behavior. That's cool. There's only four points, and then we'll go to principles for managing your finances. Which we'll get into the practical side. Okay, so point number one. Be content and not covetous. Okay, big one. The mindset and attitude behind how we do money. This is number one on my list. Be content. So 1 Timothy 6, from 6 to 10. We've read a part of this before. I'll just read it. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. If we have brought nothing into the world, we cannot take everything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with, this, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. This is a bit of a different translation, I believe, as the NIV. Sorry, I did, I did tell you NIV. But did you catch that? Huh? I love it. I love it that, oh man, Scripture just tells us exactly what to do and how to do it. Guys, contentment. And I know when we go online and it's Facebook and it's YouTube and it's all these things and everybody, you know, and their auntie, their influencers and, you know, doing all these things. We see what they have and what they're doing in the places and the, like, oh, that's a real thing. Like, what's in our heart? When we see those things, what does it want us to do and become? More content? Like, sure, I'm so happy with what I've got. Now that I've seen your awesome lifestyle lifestyle. And you're traveling the whole globe and you don't have to work a day in your life. <laughs> Guys, this is real. We all have to watch against this. But we literally have to watch against this. Are we content with what, ha- what we have and what God gives us? Okay, contentment is, it does not equal driven for money. We just saw what that does. Okay? We don't covet. When we kind of look at all these things in our neighbor and like over the fence, it's so easy, man. It's, oh, they've got this. They've got a new car. Hmm. My 2021 model now all of a sudden seems a little bit outdated. Um, or, you know, I need new tires or service. Ah, let's maybe just sell that sucker and, you know, get a new one. Um, guys, this is, this is real, okay? <laughs> so we're not driven by those desires. We're content. What we have, man, your Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And again, this is something we have to teach. We, we don't naturally like this. I'm telling you, my kids, Milliton Market, they want to buy the whole, buy the whole market every Saturday. Why? This is just that's something of I want what I see and I what you know I maybe even can't have. Got to watch it, you know, with that thing. Okay, second attitude behind financial behavior should be we trust in God and not in riches. Kind of a given. As a Christian, we know that you know we trust God in everything. Philippians four nineteen, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Man, we have a God who's a giver. He's a giver of good gifts. He is incredible. He's the Father. He's the maker of the universe. He sustains it all. He knows everything we need. He knows. 
We can trust him. We should trust him. Not in our ability. Not in our youthly uh, you know, strength and, 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 and. Trust God, regardless. Regardless of circumstance, you know, it's not by sight, but by faith. We're going to get to faith. But man, a trusting, there's a deep-seated trust that we as Christians, by the way, we trust him with our lives. If you're a Christian, you've given your life to, we, like, I'm all yours. That's amazing. So this thing is obviously, you know, a fairly seemingly small thing. Because you'll notice the world does not trust God with money. In fact, the world makes money the idol. That's the pursuit. That's what they want. That's what they, we should again guard against these things. Cool. Number three, be generous, not stingy. <laughs> and again, we're going to all be in different seasons of our lives. There's going to be seasons where we sleep on the couch and eating Mari biscuits or dry wheat picks or something. And that's cool. There's, 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 there's seasons. But there's a heart thing. Like, Man, I want to give. You know, I want to be generous. We've got to watch because stingy is like that whole hoarding thing. Ooh, you know, I've, that is, oof, man. Let's look at it. Hebrews 13, 16. And do not forget the good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Huh? What beautiful thing that we can please the heart of God, even through making sacrifices like this. You know that woman with the two pennies? Wasn't that the lady that Jesus highlighted? So, wow, she's given everything. She's put her last in there. You know? And it, again, it's not the size of the giving and stuff. It's, man, that heart. Like, Lord, it's all yours. Generous. Luke 6, 38. Give. And it will be given to you. Now, again, we hear the scripture a lot in you know, prosperity gospel. But let's forget that and just read what it says. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Man, I want God to just lavish on me. In my lap, things will come to you that seem like, well, I, I don't deserve this. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be getting that. You know? But when we're generous, these things just, and we don't, you know, in 10 years, oh, I want to make, again, we, I want to make money, so let me give some money so I can get some money. We're going to probably check that thing. Um, <laughs> but God, God does not lie. Okay, so let our measure that we give be a proper one, because then there'll be a proper return at the right time, in the right place. Okay, and it reflects the heart of God. Okay, so we don't try and cling to finances and hoard and being stingy and all those wonderful things. We open-handed, we give, we Christ-like, we generous, we givers. We know the ultimate sacrifice and the ultimate price, the giver of the best gifts, Jesus himself, giving his all. We can imitate that. We've been made in his image. Let us reflect that. Let us become more like him. Let this that we share, let the word shape us. Ah, oh, yes, I've still got room to grow. Okay. Point number four in terms of an attitude. So we've said content, to trust, to be generous, and then to walk in faith, not fear. It's so easy, guys. It's so, so easy to look around us, things that's happening, and be fearful. And as a result of fear, we start, we, you know, we climb, kind of clamp down on everything and everybody, and we need to protect ourselves and my house or the my thing, and, you know, it's because times are going to, hold on. That's, that's not, that's not what God has called us to. I love this, uh, I mean, Haggai 2.8. All the silver and all the gold God says belongs to me. It's all mine. God is not concerned. The cows on the thousand hill, it's his. He's made it all. Okay, the silver's mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord God Almighty. How amazing is that? Huh? I love that. It's like, come on, man. You know, ain't nobody got time for that. Don't you know who I am? It's like I'm your I'm your father. I know. I know these things. This is amazing. I love this. We we walk in faith. And not faith in what we have, necessarily. Because obviously, why, why do we trust in what we have? You know, faith is often not needed because we know everything right now and right here. We trust Him. We trust Him for now, the future. He is worthy. Matthew 6, 31, 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? For the Gentiles strive after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows what you need. Or that you need Him, sorry. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. Again, the big key, the big secret, we, we know this. And we can live it. We can actually stand. When things are tough, when the question is, oh my word, what are we going to do? We're we going to get money for food. We can go here. What are we going to wear? <gasps> Where are we going to stay? Where are we going to? We can trust him. 
we can. Of course, there's some caveats here. We can't be ruthless, reckless spenders of everything and, you know, be okay? it's all within context. Okay? We don't want to be reckless and irresponsible. And a big one is actually to be presumptuous. You know, we kind of have presumptuous faith. No, man, I'm just going to, an example, I'm going to buy this car. It is on the limit of what I can afford. Maybe even I can't afford it. I'm going to, man, I'm just, faith, I'm just faithing it. You know what I'm saying? I am faithing it for this thing. Guys, I'm telling you, we have, and this is real. I've been there. I can tell you so many stories about that. And then the trouble I got in as a result of that. I'll never forget a little Honda S2000. Sports convertible, single guy, you know, like, ooh, this thing was legit. I could not afford it on my after tax. But I could squeeze it through on my before tax. I did. And it was amazing. <laughs> Until I lost my job and I had nothing. And then I came and, hello? How's about your S2000? And I'm like, <gasps> in any case, I sold it for a loss. I think I took a 45,000 rand knock just on that car. This was like 14, 15 years ago, okay? Not great. Um, okay, presumptuous faith. Guys, let us not just say, I'm going to do something that's silly, that is reckless, that is irresponsible. You know, I'm going to trust God. Sounded very spiritual, by the way. Like, I want to be like him. He's trusting God for. No, actually, no, no. If you're not sure, go speak to somebody. Go speak, you know, go speak to somebody. Please, guys, I've seen this and I've heard this so many times. I've done this myself. You know, because we can we can justify that purchase or that thing. Yeah? I don't know about you, but I'm really good convincing myself that it's all right. Um, but it's not. Okay. So those are the four things. Remember, managing finances well means God can trust us with true spiritual riches. Yes, we seek to know him more, you know, to fast and to pray, to dig into the word and, you know, the spiritual things and, you know, discipling, being with people and growing and all that spiritual riches. And so much more. If you read Ephesians, man, there's so much. You kind of scratch the surface. But let how we manage what he's entrusted to us not be a disqualification or hold us back. Okay. Let's tackle this head on. Now, coming into land, eh? We'll land in the next hour or so. I love it. I love it when people say, oh, we're going to land, and then they never land. You're like, oh, are we landing? Are we not landing? What, 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 what is this? I thought we were landing five minutes ago, but it's like 15 minutes. Like, oh, you know, I was thinking of having a coffee, and now I'm still here listening to you. Okay, so we're not landing. <laughs> we're not landing. In fact, half, half time break. Wonderwater, and here I can go for another one. So, okay, now we're getting to the principles. And again, we, there's 2,000 scriptures on that. We can never get to all of them. Please, do yourself a favor and just go study, okay? Principles for managing your finances. So the first thing is, again, only five points there. Yeah, like a good old Pentecostal preacher, I've had three plus two. First one, to be diligent and hardworking. It seems nowadays... To not work and make a lot of money is the thing. And if you ask, this is crazy. Studies have shown, like, you know, people want to be influencers. Like, I'm dead serious. Scholars, 30% of them influencers. I'm not going to work a day in my life. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna and, and again, I don't want to knock influence because you might be an influencer. But my word, may you be an influencer for Jesus. You know, taking the gospel to the world. You know, speaking life into people. You know, but guys. God created work. Work is not a sin. It is a, it's not a sin. This was before the fall, God put Adam and Eve in the garden. To do what? Yes. Sorry, Dave. One of the things was to name, you know how many animals there are. That was, a, that was a lot of work right there. A lot of creativity that had to come. But no, to tend to the garden. To manage it. He put it under their influence. Guys, again, a great topic to look into. God is not... I mean, work is not a, you know, we treat work like, a, oh, it's a, oh, I want to work. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to get defiled if I work. No. No. <laughs> he created it. Okay. Uh, it's not a curse. Well, maybe it's part of the curse. No, it's not a curse. Some of, yeah, don't think about your job. It's my job. He put you there. Cool. Colossians three twenty three to 24. Again, to be diligent and hardworking. Let's look at this. Whatever you do, 
Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Boom. Take that. <laughs> huh? I'm not from me. I'm just saying the Bible's like, thank you, Lord. We'll take it. I'm going to have to receive this. Your job sucks. Or you think. That's cool. It happens. I promise you, I, whew, I've had many jobs in my life. It's like almost as many cars as jobs. My friends would always, growing up, my friends would always ask me two questions. Hey, what are you driving now? Okay. Where do you work? Because those were the things that constantly changed. Why? Because I was chasing stuff that I shouldn't be chasing. Um, so that was, yeah, that was very sad, but that happened. Um, but this, guys, I was, in a, I was in a company where the two directors almost every single day got to a fist fight. Like, it was unbelievable. <laughs> Ooh, I can remember, like, yesterday, like, literally the verbal stuff in the office was insane. I was like, no normal human being should. I mean, you guys should just get gloves on and go sort it out. You men, you know, I'm this, I'm this youngster. But I knew in that place, I don't know why, but I knew in that place, you see, I'm the only light that they will see in their, well, maybe in their lives. I don't know. It was hectic. Hectic, hectic, hectic. Your work sucks. Think about it, pray about it, but ultimately see it for what this is. That you are doing it as if for the Lord. And how would you do that? Huh? How would we do that? Can you do a project and step back and say, like, sure. Yes, I'm proud of that. Because I did it as if unto God. With my abilities, with my talents, what I had at my disposal. Imagine how work will change. How what we do could have a severe impact. Huh? Love that, love that Colossians. Cool. And do it, I almost want to say, do it for as long as you can. How many Bible verses do you know of that speaks about retirement? Huh? Zip, well, look if George hasn't read anything like that, then it's not going to be in there. Guys, <laughs> you know? Thanks, George, for confirming. I mean, retirement. Like, seriously, are we going to work 40, 50, 60 years? And all we want to work for is retirement. For one day, I can go sit on the beach and do nothing. Sipping, you know, virgin pina coladas. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What, like, seriously, we can go do that today, afterwards. We don't have to wait for retirement. Like, seriously, we've got to, like, I, I love this saying, like, we don't retire. We just refire. You know, when we Christians, man. That's in the opportunity where we now can give all our time, all our effort, and all our energy to the things of God. Right? I mean, imagine you're 60 years old. Some of us are not far from there. What do you mean on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, but, I mean, the gifts, the wisdom, the walk that we've had with Jesus, my word. I mean, that's a time for, you know, just giving. We can plow. We can plow so much into others and you know, into the kingdom. It's insane. Let's not work for a retirement little check. Please, guys. Okay. We've got way too many uh, well, talents and things to do that. So that was the first thing. Diligent on hard work. I need, I need us to have an honest conversation. Work is good. We've got that. Okay. Tithe. Malachi 3.10. Let's talk about the tithe. Let's talk about it. And, 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 and as we look at this, please, again, massive topic. I don't want you to split hairs. But is this law, pre-law, after-law, the whole thing? Like exactly... There's an incredible preach by Andrew Selly on YouTube. Go search it. Go listen to it if you're struggling in this area okay, of tithing, of giving back, of trusting and honor God with our money because that's what this really is. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Just stop there. The whole tithe into the storehouse, obviously Old Testament language for you know, what we now know as your local congregation, local church. And again, this is not a call we should we should, we should have this down. A lot to be said. I prefer if you listen to Andrew's sermon on that. But then he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Oh, man, he's such a good father. Uh, we saw, serve an incredible God. He's not going to ask us something that we cannot do. And this, for me, is such a beautiful thing. Of, And the Holy Spirit personally convicted me you know, many years ago about this, because I did not tithe. I wasn't into tithing. I heard this stuff preached. 
yesterday, I, it's such an amazing thing. God was so gracious, and he opened my eyes to this. Poof. Like, am I honoring him with what he entrusted to me? He's given me health. He's given me ability. I get to go and work and be a blessing and do it as if unto him. And then some of, you know, it's like a farmer, and my crop comes in, and I just want to hoard it. And that just doesn't sound right. You know what I mean? It's, I want to give back and just because God needs it. But he's made a plan, you know, so there won't be a shortage. So when I come and I bring it, and there's many things. There's alms. There's just, you know, blessing others and giving and, and you know, wonderful concepts of us being just generous. Oh, let's not neglect this. He is able to open up windows of heaven. All right, even if it doesn't make sense, and that's gonna, we're going to get to this you know, point of budgeting in a minute, but let's trust him. And the big question here also for me is, is mastering, are you mastering your money? Or is money mastering you? Because if you're in control of it, if you're mastering it, that's a whole different thing than being mastered by money. I'll let, you let that simmer a little bit. But it's true, we have to ask ourselves. Because this is my money. Mm. We can debate that. We can talk about it. Again, everything on, you know, a thousand hills is his. The gold and the silver, everything is his. The health that he's given us. Man, let us, let us, yeah, I would just want to, let us get this right. Let us not be mastered by money. We send our money. We say, God, you've given me everything. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? Okay, so that's the time. And the beauty is we actually get to do it. There's a partnering with him, and we'll go in more detail there. Point number three, do not borrow and do not make debt. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Okay, let's just, Proverbs 22, 7. <laughs> the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Short, guys. Mm. You know, the trees don't grow in money. I would have loved my parents also taught me this. Um, and, I, and I only did it because they were never taught this. They made so many bad financial decisions. I love them. Um, but they, like, put their hands up first. Like, you know, they weren't too great with money. Guys, the rich rule over the poor. If you're feeling enslaved, if you're feeling, again, you know, we, don't want, we don't want to be fear-driven, stress and panic and all these things. God's given us the keys to do this properly, to do this right. But when we have debt, Money, we've spent money that we don't have. Well, I, I don't know, what are we doing? Why do we need that thing? This is the sucker that's going to chow us alive. You know the difference between an asset and a liability? I love how Robert Kiyosaki breaks it down because you know, I'm not wired that way. But he's like, no, no, an asset. When you lose your money, when you lose income, assets will feed you. Liabilities will eat you. They will just chow you up. There's no resource, no nothing. And this is what debt does. Because banks are ruthless. All these guys that's giving you money for nothing and actually money that you don't have and you shouldn't really be spending. Um, the banking system, guys, I'm not against banks, uh, but they're more than 200 years old. Their legal documents and things are tight. If you've never been on that end of the, uh, the law, it is not a pretty place to be. I've been there. I've lost everything three times. The last time was 14 years back. And this is a bit of my own story. I mean, I was half a million rand in debt. 128,000 rand on credit cards. Boom. A buddy who borrowed a laptop <laughs> and a phone, which I took out on a contract, just racked up 33,000 rand like that. And so the list went on. And before I knew it, I'm like so deep in the dwang. I couldn't, I didn't. The only thing that overtakes you is fear and shame and all these things, which debt, it enslaves us. It is something that enslaves us. Okay. And ask yourself, why do I need to make the debt? What's the motivation behind it? And why has it become the norm? Why is it fine? Just uh, Again, as a matter of interest, why is it fine that debt is cool? Or it's okay. It's okay to go loan, take a loan out for this, or you know, let's get this on finance. I don't know. I mean, I think I do know. But it shouldn't be that way, right? And remember right in the beginning I said we're probably going to experience some form of that's me i know there's a lot of us here that's also why i'm you know i just thought it good that we talk about this 
But even if it is right, we can't say, ah, oh, hey, oh, good debt, hey? No, no, you're still enslaved. And I know we can talk about good debt and bad debt, and that's a different conversation. But the first, blo- the first stance we should have is this. That I'm enslaved. And there's a lender. We should owe no man anything else but to love him. Isn't that what the word says? So we have to, this, we've got to be critical on this thing. We've got to, we've got to come out to the light and in the open, and, you know, so this thing can be zapped. So how do we do this? We, well, one, we keep spending. We have to be self-controlled. It's a fruit of, you know, a fruit of the Spirit to be self-controlled, the last one on the list. We can't just go about and buying everything and wanting everything and, you know, just getting into more debt as a result. The other point is don't spend on the level of your dream or your faith. Uh, I think this is a goodie. Don't spend on that level. Spend on what you actually earn after tax. After that, we're, we're going to speak budget. But does, does this make sense? We're already spending an increase we're getting, you know, in three months from now. November bonuses. <laughs> Bye-bye. I already bought that thing on my whatever account. Like, I'm dead serious. And I'm not pointing fingers. That was me. If you want to know, know how to do it poorly, come speak to me. Okay? <laughs> we can't do that. Do not spend on the level of your dream or your faith. Put in the work. Put in the seed. Put in that. And again, don't compare it to what others have. We're going to be content. Okay? Don't use credit. Use what you have. Dead serious. If you can't afford it, don't afford it. Revelation. <laughs> like, again, I wish I had this stuff. All of this as young and like drilled into me on a weekly basis. And we're trying to teach our, teach our kids as well. But, you know, I'm just hoping that God will open our eyes to these things. That the enemy is, the, the devil is a liar. I like, I like the devil is a liar. <laughs> you know, you get that. I don't know. I'm just black on the inside as well. Um, but seriously, the devil is a liar. He comes to rob and to steal. He wants us to fail. He wants us to be miserable. He does it through these things. And, you know. Let's not be deceived. Let's not be deceived. Cool. More on that, but not today. Fourth point. So we've said, be diligent on hard work. Let's tithe, honor God with you know the first fruits. Let's not borrow, make debt. And of course, there's a point we, we might want to invest. And we want to do that wisely. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 11.2. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come up uh, upon the land. Another translation says this, but divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks or disaster might lie ahead. So also the Bible's got quite a bit to say about, you know, investing. And, and the, you know, the, the, the woman um, of babes, uh, 31, um, Proverbs 31, there we go. The woman, 31, love this. Someone highlighted this. Look, no, she went around looking at land, and then she bought, she invested in the land. And then she plowed it, and she worked it, and, you know, she, she, she made money from it, and then she plowed it back into other things. So investing is, is great. We get, again, we get to invest. We have to be wise with these things. And here we have just, like, one of the things of invest in many things. Don't put all your eggs in Bitcoin. Or, you know, let's not go there. I'm, I'm not here to give investment advice. All I'm saying is let us invest wisely. The par- parable of the talents also shows that. And those that invested well, that got some interest, you know, that made more of what they had, they were called good and faithful servants. It's the one who tucked everything in the ground and said, uh-uh, I'm just going to give it back as is. Another thing, investing wisely is not that little YouTube app that comes up, Boop, I'm going to teach you how to make gazillions in the next three days. Guys, come on, I know we probably all smell that from a mile away, but <laughs> I have fallen over the years for many little shiny little things. Oh, this little software, that little thing. Oh, I've got a treasure trove worth of apps and things that could make you millions um again i'm talking of experience i need to you know i need to lay these things down so rich getting rich quick schemes again sure we've got to be so so careful when people promise these things let's not chase off if we have the right attitudes like we previously covered um we're not just going to run after quick money because it's probably going to be quick demise um and in fact proverbs also have a couple of beautiful verses around that um one thing in terms of investing wisely, don't upgrade your life every time you have an opportunity. Okay? Do not upgrade your life every time. Again, I'm going to get an increase. I'm going to get a bonus. I'm getting an inheritance. Uh, whatever the case is, 
Why? What's the motivation? Bigger house, bigger car, more cars, whatever that thing might be for you. Let us not just seek to upgrade every single time. Let's take a step back, right? Entrusting me with more resources. What what would you want me to do with it? Cool. We said don't spend money that you don't have. And also just the thing on investment, and I think again George would invest in stuff that you understand. If you don't understand cryptocurrencies, don't go put your life savings in there. Huh? Speak to George. I mean, you know, we've got we've got all the help here. You know, let's speak to somebody. But I'm dead serious. Don't invest into stuff you do not understand. And that goes for each one of us. Um, I mean, I like the whole thing of NFCs, you know. But I'm a little bit clueless, I'm not going to lie. And I know to get clued up, I'm going to have to put hours into understanding what it is. I'm going to have to speak to you know, professionals out there. So investing is not bad. It's just let's be wise. Let's kind of, you know, distribute that risk a little bit. And again, we don't invest my credit card credit. Let's save. Let's okay. But this is where we're getting to budget. Let me take another break. <laughs> Give your brains a break as well. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Let's go to Luke fourteen, twenty eight, thirty. Again, also a favorite. We've heard this one. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, Ha! This fellow began the building and was not able to finish it. But that first part, who will not sit down and estimate the cost to have enough money? Again, this is like, yeah, this is obvious. Well, when last did you sit, knowing that on the 25th or the 1st or whatever, you're going to get X amount of money? When last did you sit with your money and say, hmm, I'm going to get this money. Where's it going to go? What's going to happen with it? How am I going to allocate it? Don't have to answer. Good question. That will be counting the cost. But we have a monthly expense because we have to live. And there's like kind of four main quadrants, you know, roof over your head, clothes on your back, food in your tummy, and transportation. That's kind of the, the four critical pillars that you kind of want to build on. And all of that costs money unless you, you know, staying with your parents, which is a blessing. Okay. But in your 30s, maybe best to move on. Um, more on that later. Okay. But so we want to build on these four pillars. Okay. Oh, man, I wish I did this. My wife prayed for five years. Was it five years, my love? And then finally, God gave me revelation. If I want to be accountable and faithful, I'm not a budget guy, guys. I'm like more from the, I faith it. <laughs> Got this covered. She's living in stress and fear because her poor husband is blind to this thing. I'm dead serious. And I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm a faith guy that God can provide. But I was being, I had faith for the wrong stuff. I had presumptuous faith. You know, God will just cover up all my stupidity. No, sometimes, gee, you know, if you want to touch that hot thing, you're going to burn because that's, you know, you need to learn that that thing is hot. Okay, so budgeting is one of those things, guys. I mean, Sally is yawning already. Just, you know. Can I call it something else? Something exciting? You know, maybe we're all like, ah, I'm out for this thing, but budgeting. <laughs> Let me remind you, there was a verse on there. <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Guys, we've got to sit down. And if you're single or you're a young couple or married or old, whatever the case is, we still have to sit down. Because I don't know when last your monthly expenses worked out to the cent for two months in a row. Like that never happened. So if your spending fluctuates and your income is kind of stable, would it not be wise to just check, am I still, where am I, what's happening? Okay, so let's get into a bit more detail. But first, thanks, Dave. Proverbs 24, 3 to 4. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it, it's established. And by knowledge the rooms shall be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. How much is this Remind you of stumbling into a completed house with riches in the rooms. No. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But wisdom. Let us be wise. We have to apply wisdom. This is practical wisdom. Okay? Practical wisdom. So let's get on to practical wisdom. The basics are you have to do a budget. What is a budget? Let us define that. You've got income. You've got expenses. 
and then you have some assets and liabilities. Okay, so you want to know uh, how the liabilities that I have. I owe this guy this much. I owe there's what I owe liabilities. These are investments. I own stuff that can make me money because I can sell tomorrow, for instance, and I can have money. That would be roughly classified for now as an asset. But then you need to list your expenses on the spreadsheet as much as you hate it. Okay. Again, this is this is just part of the oh man, if you could do this. Rent, food, bah, 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 all those things. This is my budget. Okay, this is the amount that I budget for that item. But here's the clean shit. The end of this month, before you get that next paycheck, now you've got to reflect back. You have to go and say, okay, cool. I said I'm gonna pay three hundred Rand for food. Okay. Did I really spend three hundred Rand for food? So there's the budgeted amount, and then there's the actual amount. This is big. Because you know what? Not everybody's going to rush this afternoon. Budget. I download a template. Pop, pop, pop the numbers. You know, whew, thank heavens I'm done. Ish. No, 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 no. Before you get your money, which is not a bad time, actually. You know, because most people either just got paid or will be getting paid now. Reflect back. What did I spend? Was my budget an accurate reflection of my spending? Okay? Last month. And then your actual spend for last month becomes your new budget for the following month. Which if you didn't eat 300 bucks, but 500, let's then rather budget for 500 bucks. Okay? Otherwise, we're just conning ourselves. And then also, there's a birthday party, there's this, I need to travel there. Okay, cool, let's, let's put that in the budget. So we do forward planning. And if I earn, let's say, just a round figure, 10,000 rand, and I do my little budget, and I say, like, <gasps> oh my word, 11,000. Well, there's something wrong. Something's got to change. We'll fast for a week or two. Okay? That's an option. Less food. But what I'm saying is you need to know the numbers. We need to know the numbers. How far in the hole are we? Or do we have surplus? Like, but this is the most incredible place. I had to, oh my word, digging out of a half a bar in the red hole um, was, was a 10-year journey. Okay? Would love for you to avoid that whole journey. But, and this is part of how you do it. Um, to get to the place where you know your money, you understand your budget, and you've clapped, because this is a biggie, we need to clap that debt. Okay, there's a few things we have to do in terms of the basics. Um, your budget's got to be on purpose, on paper, every month. Okay, you do budgeted spend versus actual spend every month. Okay, you try and work to a zero-based budget. What does that mean? If I earn 10 grand and I, all my expenses off and I've got 1,000 rand left, that thousand rand needs to be allocated. Every rand must be accountable. What are you going to do with a thousand bucks? If you're not accountable, that thing is going to go <laughs> new hair, you know, with a creatine for the. That should be in the budget. Okay. Now I'm dead serious. A zero based budget means there's nothing left at the end of the month because I've accounted for every cent. Meaning, of the thousand rand that I have left, 300 is going to go to my you know, uh, um, holiday fund. 200 bucks a month is for my annual car service. You know, 50 rand is for, the, you, you know what I mean? Every, you, you account for it. And again, that's you doing your budget, being, you know, getting control of, of it. Something to help you is another pro tip. I don't know how many expenses you have in a month, but it could be hectic to just kind of categorize all of these things. I was like, man, I don't want to do that. I get that. There's a beautiful app for free. Called Twenty Two Seven by Old Mitchell. Okay, you create an account, you connect your bank, and it, it just imports every single transaction of that account. You can do it with multiple accounts. Okay, so the very first time you do it, you say, "Yeah, this is food, this is petrol, this is," da -da -da, and then boop, it remembers that. And every month you can go back and say, "Ha, huh, how much did I spend on food?" Boop, there's my line item, and that's what I put in my budget. Okay, so you have an Excel spreadsheet, and you have Twenty Two Seven. Twenty Two Seven categorized, does it automatically. The first time takes a bit of time, but thereafter it's like, it's plain sailing. And then I transpose that into my budget every month. Income, expense. Okay. Look, again, Esther prayed for me for a very long time. Then I did it, and then we earned nothing during COVID, so I, I, I stopped. And we got back on the bus. And it's such a, it's just so good. Okay, 20 to 7. And please, if you are married, in a relationship, married, do this together. Open books. Both agree on things because you're going to put your next month's spend in there. Are we going to bless them with a 50 rand birthday gift budget, a uh, gift with zero because we actually can't? Or is it going to be, you know, what, 
We've got to account for these things. Be on the same page. Open cards, transparent, do this. Okay, those are the basics. Now, let's say you're doing your budget. Is this, is this, is this helpful, by the way? Okay. Thank you. Okay. So now that you're doing a budget monthly, okay, we've covered all those steps. What am I aiming at? What do I want? Apart from the right attitude, some of those principles will be looked at. Here's some practical advice I want to give you. The number one aim that you should have is zero debt. So when you do your budget and you've got money left, that line item must go, must do everything you can to minimize your expense so you can maximize on the money that you have so you can kill the debt. Okay, biggie. But that's hard because I've got a Netflix subscription. My cell phone contract is 1500 a month. I must have it. You know, how else will I Facebook? Like, there's, there's <laughs> I'm driving a super expensive car. I don't have to. There's a lot of things. And I'm talking specifically when the budget don't match. It, 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 you don't have leeway. There's no room. There's no margin. We are actually in the red, and this hole is getting bigger. We cannot turn a blind eye. Okay. But please, there's no condemnation, and there's no shame. This is just real talk. Okay? Because I've been there. There are some here this morning that are stressing about money. And finally, where's it going to come? How am I going to make this? I, I've got no idea. There's a practical step we can also take, and this is it. Okay. We minimize our expenses. Subscriptions. Coffee dates. Clint, sorry, your beautiful croissants and whatnot, your pasta de nachis. You know? You might have to say, sorry, pasteki. I'm not looking at you. Because when my eyes, it happens to me, my eyes fall upon that creamy custardy thing, and I just want it, man. You know, I've already committed that pasteki in my head before I got here in the morning. But when you're on a tight budget, I'm telling you now, you can't have it. Not because I'm not saying so. You, you, you must, please, Jesus, give me the self-control I need you know, to grow in this muscle. Because there's a greater purpose. We want to get out of debt. And we want to get into a place where we can invest. We want to get into a place where we are prepared, where we have bandwidth, where when calamity strikes, for instance, your car goes out, engine goes, or all four tires all of a sudden through potholes or whatever it is, that you have an emergency fund. Okay, so no debt is the number one aim. We don't want to be enslaved. Two, let's have an emergency fund. That means when there is an emergency, I can tap into it. That's not a movie night, oh, emergency, I need to see all my friends. That's not it. Emergency, okay. Put it in a separate little account or fund or something, all right? And that's normally one month worth of expenses. So let's say you earn 10, but your monthly expenses is 8. Well done. Try and save as quickly as you can 8,000 rand, like one month worth of expenses in your emergency fund. Cool. Second one, rainy day fund. Seasons come, seasons go. Okay. Rainy days happen, meaning if you lose your job, I've been there, you need a buffer, three to six months worth of take-home pay saved. Now, this could be a biggie. You even just getting rid of debt could be a biggie for most of us. Then to get an emergency fund, oh, I need a miracle. Then my rainy day fund, impossible, man. It ain't never going to happen, I promise you. It can happen systematically, slow by slow, let's win the small victories. Pay off the 50 rand loan first before you tackle the 50,000 one. Okay? You need some small victories in here. The main point with this rainy day fund, and let's just call it three months. Should you lose your job tomorrow, you've got three months buffer to find something else. Okay? That's like when the, when the red flags go, okay, oh my word, this is what we got. I've got to make haste. Okay? I've got to either put myself out there, my CV, talk to people, fast, trust, pray, whatever you have to do, but at least you've made provision. You've got a three-month buffer. And I'm telling you, when you're in that position, by the grace of God, from all my horrible stories of mismanagement of finances, and then God waking me up and I started being accountable, when we lost our business in the beginning of COVID, we had saved. We had an emergency fund. I'm going to tell you now, it's mostly depleted now, but it's two years later. Um, but, you know, the, the rainy day fund, that saved us, guys. That absolutely saved us, okay? Um, so, yes, then. Then, once we have those things, imagine this for a moment. If right now you knew you had one month emergency fund, say, boop, you have three months in the bank, 
How much food? You've got no debt. How would that feel? Yeah. It's, 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 it's almost impossible. For, I don't know about, but for most of us, it's almost impossible to think, of, think about it. We've just never been there. That's not how we grew up. That's not how we were taught about money. We were like, you get money, you spend that sucker. Seriously. Because next month, hey, I'm living in faith, man. You know, we're gonna, there's, there's going to be more next month. Sure. <laughs> it is the most incredible feeling of freedom. And now all of a sudden, you know, anything happens in the kingdom. Oh, there's an opportunity to go to the Isle of Man or there's this, this, whatever it is. You're flexible. You're free. You don't have a ball and chain. You don't have this, <gasps> I'm all concerned about what I'm going to eat, let alone you know, buying plane tickets to somewhere else. It's an amazing feeling of freedom. And then, of course, you know, once we've got those things in place, let's now think about retirement. And, you know, we talked about that, but children's college funds, maybe holidays, maybe, you know, paying off if you have a home then at that stage. You know, pay that puppy off. You know, let's build wealth. Happy, awesome, that's cool. Let's give back. Let's be generous. Let's, you see how this thing just comes full circle? And the more we manage our finance as well, the more there is, the more the, it just, it's just this, like the snow, snowball effect. And I look at, you know, uh, one of our favorite passages in Acts. They started selling stuff to help one another. You're in a position where there's resources and you can give, you can bless, you can, can be that. And the biggest thing is, and I did the survey in America, it's not that people don't want to give. The heart is, I want to give, of course. I want to be, be there for my brother and my sister. The reality is for 78% of the American church, they cannot give, even if they want to. That's America. I would like to think we're probably worse. I mean, culturally, again, you know, we're probably worse. So these are the things that we can work on, that we can keep one another accountable on. Um, and if I just, you know, tie it back to that initial scripture, being faithful with this allows us. It tells God, like, wow, I can entrust him with true spiritual riches or her. Let's get the breakthrough in this. And by no means, if you're in this situation where it's tough, speak to somebody. Open up. Let's be accountable. We are here to help one another. We want to walk out into freedom together. We want to be entrusted with true spiritual riches and souls of man and people and being you know, able to disciple and take. And, and I'm not saying it's a prerequisite for discipling, but you hear my heart. There's be people that's free from this stuff. We can't take any of it with in any case. God asks us to give it all away, but if he really asked us, not, not some preacher or something, I'm telling you, like, seriously, if God, would we do it? Where, where are we at? Is it ours or is it his? Cool. So this, again, let us speak up. If you're there, we're going to be accountable. We're going to live in the light. Let's render this thing powerless. Georgie. Yes, absolutely. Hi, everyone. Um, I just felt a pressing to share three testimonies um, about my finances. Um, and they relate to the attitudes that Brian was talking about. So the first one about being content um, I found myself at work in so many conversations with colleagues about um, how poorly we get paid compared to other engineers and how so many young people are leaving because the salary is so bad. Um, and unfortunately, this kind of rubbed off on me. And when I was chatting to my dad the one time, he noticed this discontentment in my heart. Um, so I prayed about it. And then shortly after that, I found myself again in another conversation with my colleagues about um, our salaries, and I felt a pressing that I must actually just lead this conversation because um, sometimes we get wrapped up in discontentment and in comparing ourselves to others, and it's really not healthy. Um, my dad reminded me a lot of people my age in this com in this country are unemployed; they don't even have a job, and here I am complaining about my salary. Um, so yeah, just wanted to share that's the one thing about contentment. Um, the other attitude about trusting in God. So money is an excellent test of character, not only in how you spend it, but also in how you view it. Um, and some of you know my colleague Nanta. Her and I have been doing a money devotional together. And through the devotional, um, it sort of came to light that I'd been placing so much more trust in my investments 
and in my money than in God. Because I'd been thinking, well, if I invest wisely and if I have a nest egg and if I have all of these things, um, I'll be fine. Um, nothing will throw me off. But the truth is that it is God who gives us our money. And, but he can also take it away or he can allow it to be taken away. So I guess what I'm sharing is just not to put too much trust in finances and rather put our trust in the Lord. I'm not speaking against wise money management at all, but just to check where the heart is there. Um, and then the third thing on being generous. Um, so I used to be at, when I was a student, I was at Common Ground um, with Bosch PM, and they had a, a women's conference every two years. And I invited a bunch of um, ladies, and a lot of them were unsaved. And um, the one lady came back to me and she said, look, I actually just can't afford the ticket for this conference. And I just said to her, oh, okay, well, sorry about that. And looking back, I should have just bought it for her. Like, I was a student as well. I didn't have that much money. But if we're spending our money to grow the kingdom, I really don't feel we could be spending it in any better way, right? Um, and, yeah, and at the end of the day, if we spend that money and we're generous, the Lord will, like, he will still provide us with what we need. Um, I think it's such a good test of faith, actually, just to step out there and pray about it and be like, Lord, I, I want to pay for this person. Will, will you allow me to, you know? Um, yeah, so I just wanted to share those things. That's wonderful. Oh, Georgie, thank you so much, man. And uh, I'm, I'm sure I know if I've given opportunity for testimonies that there are so many testimonies. God has been good to us. He really has, and and guys, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not preaching to a people that's unfaithful. Uh, like, part of the reason why we could, you know, be here even in this premises because of faithful, faithful people. Um, I think the heart is just, man, let us, as you said, you know, let's let's keep the main thing, the main thing. We're not on the earth to make money. That was not God's. He didn't create us and say, hey, go. The more you can get, the better. We want a intimate, passionate relationship with him. And having done everything we have here, the day he takes us, um, well, they can say, good and faithful servant. But that's the main thing. The main thing is not money. We want to be wise in it, stewarding it well. And we can keep one another accountable now, maybe hopefully to a, to a greater degree, and, and help one another. But it's, a, it's, it's him. It's our faith is in him. Our trust is in him. Our security is in him. Our peace is in him. Not our bank balance. You know, this is, again, it's a redirection of everything to him. But often this area of finance is just not spoken about. We kind of have to figure it out. We don't have to. We're here. We're family. Let's do this thing together. Let's glorify and honor God. But God should be the one that you're in love with, the one that you're running after. So there is, and there might be people here this morning. It's like, okay, I found some value, hopefully, you know, from what was said. But actually, my whole life's course is not on the same trajectory. Because I don't know God. I don't have a relationship with Him. And for you, that is more important than anything else. You know, the guy on the cross, man, he lived his life. He deserved to be there. But in his last moments, he acknowledged the Son of Man, the one who saves, the one who sets free. And Jesus told him, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. And that could be you this morning. You might have come, I don't know, but maybe this morning you're like, sure. Actually, I acknowledge. I need a savior. I've, I, my life is riddled with sin. Even my good works, you know, can take can do actually nothing. You need Jesus. There's only one that can take away the sin of man, that can replace the heart of stone. There's only one man before God that qualifies, and that's the sinless, absolutely pure, righteous Jesus who says, Father, I'll go in his place. I'll go in her place. They deserve this, but I'll take it. So if you've sinned, you deserve, before a righteous, holy God, you deserve death. But when you place your trust in Jesus, he takes it away. He takes it upon him. He takes your punishment away, and he gives you life. So if that is you this morning, and you need the biggest exchange of your life, your life and everything you've done for his righteous life and life eternal, then I would love to have an opportunity for you to respond. It's not responding to me. It's responding to what we would call the gospel. 
the freedom in him. He said, I came. I came. Jesus, his own words, John 3.16, that no one can be lost. But everybody in relationship with him to be saved and to spend eternity with him. So if you want this exchange, if you want to give your life, if you want to put your faith in Jesus this morning, why don't you raise your hand? We'll pray with you. But ultimately, it's you asking, saying, God, I acknowledge I'm not perfect. I'm not sinless. I need you. Take me and make me over in you. Cool. If that's you, maybe you don't want to put up your hands. Cool. Come speak to me afterwards. Otherwise, I'm assuming we are all saved by his grace. We are in this race. We are alive and well. Um,